Welcome, everybody. This is Don Jensen, and you're tuning into The Thinking Project. I'm very excited for this guest today. Um, with all the craziness that's been going on with the coronavirus, with COVID-19 and everything shut, being shut down, um, emotional health and physical health is the most important thing, right? So I'm here with Jason Laporte. Uh, who I've known for a while. He owner of two companies, um, Semper Fit Nutrition, uh, which is where he gets uh, to help everyday people like you and me with uh, nutrition and exercise tips and tricks, consulting. He also owns Damage Plan Athletics, uh, where they have a really big Facebook following, um, Damage, uh, Damage Plan MMA, and then also where they so sponsor local MMA events and fighters and things like that. Uh, along with dropping a sweet clothing line. I still love my hat, by the way. Sweet. Um, and if that wasn't enough, he is a United States Marine Corps veteran. Hoorah. That's right, baby. So uh, that's it. So, you know, you've been following the news. Um, gyms are opening back up a little bit. I'm super excited about that. For I cannot wait. I'm literally counting down the hours. <laughs> right. So there are some special restrictions and stuff like that. What What have you heard and what how is that going to affect you guys and what are you doing? So as far as the gym, so what I do is I actually work, um, I rent a booth, basically a booth space out of a gym, which it's called dialed in fitness. Um, it's in Sandy, Utah. It's, it's a little, you know, it's a private owned husband and wife own it. They've owned it for almost 10 years now. Uh, so I rent a booth space on there. As, as far as from what I've heard is they're allowing a certain number of people per square foot of the gym. So oh, if wow. there, you know, if you have per hundred square feet, there's like one per one or two people, or I, I don't have the numbers right in right. front of me, but for our gym, I don't really think it's going to affect too much. We have a big enough space that I think the most people we could have in the gym at one time would be like 85 people. Okay. And I've been there for two years and I don't think we've ever had 85 people in the gym at one time. Yeah. Now, will they be closer in proximity? Could they be close, closer in proximity um, during peak hours that, that could be an issue, but sure. I know that the owner has stopped. Um, he's not going to have any group group classes. So there's some trainers that'll do, you know, I've done boot camp classes before there where they're not going to have any of that stuff, um, going on. So, and they'll yeah, unplug every other uh, piece of cardio equipment. Yeah. Which um, I think, which I think isn't a bad idea. Like I got an email from my jujitsu gym and they were kind of going over the same stuff, right? So you're going to have um, groups. So you yeah. train in like groups and that group only goes on these days and at these times uh, just to help if somebody gets sick in that group, then they don't have to shut the whole gym down, right? Yeah. So I've kind of heard that kind of stuff, but it's, it's nice that it's finally opening up. Yeah, it's, I think people are starting to go crazy. I think a lot of people, yeah, can, well, yeah. with me personally, my opinion, and this is just my opinion on this. So right. I, I hope we don't get a bunch of backlash. on it. <laughs> <laughs> but I, I think everybody's watching the media and they're getting a little too, you know, they're really getting into the numbers when we really don't know, you know? Yeah. We really don't know. So yeah. you'll have one day you'll have people say, well, there's not that many deaths versus how many people have, you know, had the disease and now they're fine. Right. And then the next day it's like, oh my gosh, where hospitals are overflowing with people and um, it, you don't know what to believe. And I think, I think a lot of people are just saying, it's not really affecting me or any, really, and especially in Utah, it's not really right. affected us. Yeah. I, numbers, I, I, numbers wise. Right. No, I'm with you on that. 
I think we've definitely gotten blessed in Utah to kind of uh, miss the curve. And I, and I'm with you on that because it's tough to see everybody so kind of divided, right? With, yeah. kind of, you know, do you go out? Do you wear a mask? Do you not wear a mask? And I think that being safe is good, but shutting down a whole economy, you don't walk away from that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Especially for small business owners, right? Yeah. So you're cutting off. I mean, I talked about this uh, earlier, like in my first podcast, and I've kind of always said this, that um, 99% of the businesses in, in America are small businesses. Yeah. They employ, they employ over 50% of the people. Like, yeah. I don't know if you have employees, but except for maybe you and, and your wife or something like that, but that's, that's it, right? That's the livelihood. Yeah. It's, I can't even, I luckily, I mean, even though it, it did affect, it affected me from going into the gym and consulting with my clients one-on-one because sure. most of my clients will come in and meet with me and it's, it's, it's like a, it's like yeah. a therapy session basically, right, right, right. <laughs> but I'm able to take that and do it online and I can do zoom appointments or I can do email check-ins. So I can still kind of carry on with what I was doing. Now it does hinder hinder me from um, potentially picking up new clients because right. maybe somebody lost their job and they don't have money and they can't work out or sure. you know, food shortages. So I get some issues, but yeah, it definitely affected it that way. But for the most part, it's kind of business as usual. Yeah. Now you guys run a podcast. Um, and do yeah. you talk about that? You know, do, do you give like the tips and tricks on your podcast to help the people who, you know, who might not be able to pay for you right now, but bringing that value with them? Like, how do you bring value to your customers during these like hard times? It's all accountability at this, yeah. at this point, it's having, it's having that person to reach out, you know, and I've had a lot of clients that have wanted to put it, put this on hold, put their programs on hold until right. gyms open up. And, and I just can't stress to them enough that you, there's still things that you can do and, yeah. and, and it, Hey, you might not be having the, the results that you want now because exercise output is, is lower, but you can still eat right. And you can still do body weight exercises. You can still get sun like, yeah. but having somebody like myself or, or a coach um, or mentor or whatever it may be checking in once or twice a week. Hey, how you doing? You know, sometimes that kind of re it relights the fire, you know, and, right. and Hey, I'm guilty of it too. As soon as all this stuff come down and there's no gym, I just kind of said, forget it. I didn't want to do anything, you know? Yeah. And, but here I am trying to preach to my clients. Yeah. Hey, you got to stay with it. You know, yeah, and it's, yeah, it's, yeah, it's, 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 it's tough, but you know, that's but, why I yeah. do what I do. Yeah, exactly, man. Well, I think that it's uh, it's also important for the mental part. You know, I, I mentioned that in the beginning that for me, when I hear, that's why when we do these small business interviews, I like the whys, right? And yeah. for fitness, I know a huge why is mental and emotional health. Huge. How have you, how have you seen that with your clients and with the people around? Well, I can tell you right now with just a lot of the people, um, I do, I do bodybuilding competitions. It's, it's been a couple of years since I've competed, but there was a lot of people, uh, that come into my gym that are, we're, we, we're all with the same coach that were getting ready to compete literally a week before everything shut down and watching these people and just seeing them going through, you can see how mentally devastating you work for something for, you know, six months every day, day in, day out, eating right, you know, right. exercising, cardio, right putting family work, putting things on hold to, to get to this point. And then to have somebody pull the rug up from underneath them and say, Absolutely. Oh, you know, we're not competing. So it's, it's tough. You know, a lot of these, some of these people were 
you know, and I'm not saying anybody's names, but I'm just throwing out scenarios that some of these people are, you know, former drug addicts or former alcoholics that that's, that's their outlet, you know, is the gym is their outlet. The gym is what's keeping them going and pushing them along. And that, that goes for everyday people. It goes for me. Like that's, that's my thing, you know, that's what I do. Right. Well, and I'm glad you brought that up because I think it's super important for people to realize that too. Like it's not just about, you know, um, more than just small businesses, you know, getting their revenue or whatever. Right. Yes. It's about, it's about the people that we serve. Cause that's why it's so amazing to me. People start small businesses and it's because they have a passion for something. Right. And yes. I love that you brought the, up the whole addiction side of things because I think, first of all, I think that somebody, everybody's addicted to something like oh, yeah. the definition of addiction, right? Yes. Severely more like one of my favorite guys to listen to on that, like is Russell Brand. Yeah. He goes, whether you're addicted to chocolate or to drugs or whatever, right? We all have to work through the same 12 steps. And, and he, he even goes as far as to say sometimes like, you know, Russell Brand says this, that like the people who have outward drug problems are almost the lucky ones because they're, they know exactly what's wrong with them. Yeah. The people who like, like are addicted to shopping or (laughs) eating or something like that. Like those are culturally acceptable. Yeah. Our consumerism has made it acceptable to like, ah, I need something new. Yeah. I'll just go on Amazon and buy it. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, So it's nuts, man. And I'm glad that there are, gyms out there and people out there who coach people, especially through these hard times, man. Yeah. It's, I think with everything that's going on, you, you see a lot of people, look, we all know you can do body weight exercises. I could get out in my front yard and do burpees and push ups <laughs> and sit ups. And, but the reality of it is we're, we're creatures of habit, you know, yeah. and we're used to, uh, you're used to a certain thing, but then you, you throw on top of the stress of, you know, Maybe you just lost your job. Maybe your hours got cut. You know, you're staying at home all day with the kids and they're driving you nuts. And it's, it's just a stressful, super stressful situation to be in, I think for, for a lot of people. And, you know, I, I can't stress the importance of that exercise enough, Yeah. but I also get, I also get it because I, I go through it myself. You know, I, I fight those same battles where it's like, well, Jim's not open today. I'm not going to do anything, you know? And it's like, no, (laughs) I can still get, I can still do it. I can still do something. And that, and that's, I think one of the things that I learned even through meeting fitness instructors and coaches and going through my own coaching and my own training is the people who are really good. Like they, it's not that they never have off days or they never yeah. have those feelings. Right. But consistency, consistency, exactly. Consistency. You can, if you yeah. miss, if you miss, you just got to start over. Yeah. That's, there's <laughs> nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's just, there's, there's nothing, there's, I, I, preach that to my clients. I swear every meeting it's, it's something because they'll say, Hey, I had a bad day or I had a bad weekend. Okay. Well, then let's get right back started on on a Monday. It's, it's not the weekend that's going to do it. It's not the weekend that's making you fat. It's every weekend that you're doing, you know, drinking and, you know, eating like crap. That's what's making you fat. It's not that one day. It's the compound of days. I'm with you on that. (laughs) And it's so funny too. It's that negative feedback loop right? The yes. feedback loop from hell. Like once you start, you know, I miss, so I'm, I don't feel worthy. So now I miss again and now I can't do it. And now I miss and, oh, it's too yeah. late now. Right. And so you just keep going <laughs> in the circle. That's why I hate new year's resolutions. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. 
Yeah, what are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I heard you. <laughs> like that. I heard. I saw your face. What, what um, you I, I do think it's good. I think it's good for people to set goals and and Absolutely. have those goals. But I yeah. think, especially when it comes to fitness, I believe people need to get out of this thinking that it this is a short term thing. Yeah. You know this this isn't a a 12 week challenge or a six week challenge. Sure. They can, they can be good and they can yeah. definitely get things jump started and getting you into a better routine. But overall you, you have to think past that. You have to think past those right. six weeks. And it's, I, I tell my clients this all the time and I like to kind of put the responsibility back on them. So yes, they're, they're hiring me to coach them, right? Like they're mm-hmm. hiring me to right. write their meal plans, to, to do their workouts, to do their cardio regimens. Mm-hmm. But I can't make that person do it. So when a person comes into me and they say, okay, I want to eat the cleanest foods that I can eat, you know, I want to lose the weight the fastest. Well, there's more to it than that. Like it's, I'm going to give you the foods that you're going to eat, not the foods that I want you to eat, the foods that Dalton's going to eat. You know, you may say, I don't like chicken. So why would I put chicken on your diet if I know you're not going to eat chicken? (laughs) Like it's, it's, or the client that says, I'll say, how many, how many days a week are you willing to dedicate to working out? And you'll get, I'll get clients who'll say, how many do I need to work out? You tell me, I'll, I'll work out six days a week. And yeah, my yeah. response, yeah, my response back is, I want you to work out whatever you're going to continue to do after you're done working with me. Mm-hmm. So if it's only three days a week, then we're going to build this program off of you working out three days a week, not six days a week. So that right. when you're, when you're done working with me, you, you go back to three days a week and then you end up putting on a little bit of weight, which is normal. Exercise output goes down, sure. food intake goes up. You're normally going to put on a little bit of extra weight. Sure. Being cons- but being con- if you're consistent with that, if you're consistent with that exercise output, if you're consistent with your diet, you'll notice, you'll notice things continuing to change. Right. So I, I, want, I want my clients to take the responsibility upon themselves to say, hey, this is what I'm willing to do. Now it's my job to put that all together with my experience and say, this is going to be the best. This is going to be the path we're starting on, but that doesn't mean it's not going to change. It could change tomorrow, you know, but right. yeah, I'm definitely, I kind of got off track a little bit on the new year's resolution things, but, but no, that is, but there's the, that's the point though, right? Is, is every day you got to make the same goals and yep. they got to be the realistic goals and you don't wait till new year's and you don't wait till Monday. Right. That's why I feel the accountability is so important and having a coach and having a mentor, it's like, look, I'm not, I'm not reinventing the wheel with, with what I'm telling people to do. Like nutrition is ever evolving. Like it's, it's constantly changing, but the basics are there. You eat your lean meats, your fruits, your veggies, Mm -hmm. you know, your complex carbs, you put all that stuff together, but having someone to say, Hey, this is what you need to do it's kind of like being in the military, you know what I mean? Almost kind of like that. It's like you, you, you need someone to say, no, this is what you need to do. And this is, this is how you need to do it because people, because people don't know. We talked about this on the podcast. um, We recorded the other day. Uh, We did a nutrition podcast with, to help with the fighters and stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, And, and that's one of the things that we talked about is, is having people, you know, having that accountability and, and having somebody to, you know, I might give somebody a meal plan, but, but what I'm changing, I'm not changing things unless I'm getting feedback from that person. So just because you have a good week and I say, okay, Dalton, how was your week? Um, how did you feel? How was your energy levels? You know, results were good. Everything's good. Yeah. That doesn't mean I need to change anything on, on your diet or 
you know, you may say, Hey, I don't like eating this and we may sw- swap something out. But I, I had a client, um, and we won't call it any names, but he, he was weighing himself every day and he texts me and he says, Hey, I want to pull out my starch at night. I don't want to eat my starch at night. And I said, why? And he says, well, I weighed myself the last three days and there's no changes. <laughs> it's, it takes, well, yeah, it takes, it, yeah, it takes more than that. I'm like, I, right. I, I mean, there's a certain, there's a certain point where we need to get to and three days isn't enough data to make any yeah, changes. No, we, we got totally lost in the instant gratification world. Oh, for sure. You don't lose love handles in three days, man. No. It didn't take three days to get them. But that's what's <laughs> promoted though in the fitness industry is, yeah. is that quick, you know, you see people doing these, you know, fit teas mm-hmm. and detox teas and wraps and it's like, yeah. that's, that, so, all that crap is temporary. Right. So let me ask you a question because I've, this is something that I've actually kind of been uh, talking about and I feel like it can apply into other areas of life. So what do you tell your clients about um, their why? Like, because here's my thing. If you're going to find a coach and you're going to pay for a gym and you're going to pay for a mentor or you're not going to pay, you're going to, you're going to pay either in money or in time. Yeah. It's got to be more than like your why has to be more than losing weight. Right? Like I heard this once uh, from a friend of mine a, a long time ago that diets die. Yes. But it's got to be like a lifestyle change, right? It's got to so be a lifestyle change. You can't, do you tell your clients that? Like you can't go into it thinking you're going to lose a lot of weight. You just got to be like a lifestyle thing. Well, it's, or, yeah. I mean, I, I, I want to try to educate them the best I can. The, yeah. It's super hard because there's yeah, so many things, you know, social media, um, mm-hmm. everywhere they go, uh, you know, social media is throwing out all these trainers are posting pictures with their shirts off and girls with their butts <laughs> out. And it's, you know, it's hard not to compare yourself to, to other people. I mean, a lot of I'm people will say, Hey, I'm not comparing myself, but let's face it. We all, we all do it, you know, maybe yeah. in, maybe in different ways, but you know, when I'm competing and I'm getting ready to compete, I almost have to turn off my social media. Cause I'll look on Instagram and yeah, I'll see guys to. that I know that are doing the show. And I'm like, Oh shit, I got to compete against right. this guy. But really everybody's putting their best pictures on Instagram. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. How yeah, many yeah, girls yeah. post a picture of themselves in bed first thing in the morning with no makeup yeah. on? You yeah, know, yeah, you, right. you don't see it. Like right. they want to show the picture where they're all right. dialed up and you know, yep. and, or the guy with his six pack showing his abs. Right. And it can be intimidating. You know, if you're, if you're a guy that's, let's just say a guy or a gal that's, that's overweight, mm-hmm. it can be intimidating to go to a trainer that, is promoting that. You know what I mean? It's, yeah. you're looking at that person. If, if I'm a guy in my forties, I might, I might look at this other guy and say, I'm never going to look like that guy. You know what right, I mean? Right. Like, I, I'm not, why would I want to go to him when it's yeah, like, yeah. and even though I compete and I, I like to be healthy, yeah. I don't try to push my lifestyle onto my clients. I can't tell my clients to say, Hey, you need to work out how I work out or you need to eat how I eat. I try to, I try to find yeah. out what their why is, you know, why they're doing this and then try to kind of, try to kind of educate them on, on nutrition so that they can continue on with doing this even after they're, they're done with me. That's my whole. Cause that's the point. Yeah. And that's my, I'm like, I want you to be able to say after you're done, you can say, Hey, I don't need Jason to, to write my meal plan. I just need this accountability. It's kind of, it's, it's like me having my coach for bodybuilding. It's like, look, granted, he knows what he's doing. He's been doing this a lot longer than I, I do. 
Right. I, I have the basics down. I know what I need to do to get myself to a certain point, but I pay my coach because mentally, you know, I get halfway through there. I, I start having, my mind starts going crazy. Well, what should I do with this? Or how should I change that? Or am I working out too much? Mm. It's like you, you're paying him to be him to be your therapist almost. Yeah. Seriously. Him or, him or her to be your therapist, you know? Well, and that's, and, and I, cause I, but I, I like that you said that because there's a big part of fitness and working out that's mental and emotional. Oh yeah. It, it just has to be. And so well, that's, that's the thing. Go ahead. I was going to say, how many, how many people do you, do you see? And I see it all the time because I'm in the gym that are afraid to even go in the gym because they're intimidated by the way other people look or, or if maybe somebody's staring at them a certain way and, and they're scared to do that. And Heck yeah. I'd be willing to bet now there's always, there's assholes everywhere. Like you're always going to get jerks, but yeah. I'd be willing to bet that 99.9% of the people at the gym would probably help anybody out if they asked for it. Sure. Nobody's judging. We could care less. I could care less. Right. Well, because that's, and that's the majority of, so you buy the typical American goes and buys a Vasa membership. Yep. Cause they think it's the best one. I hate Vasa by the way. <laughs> it's dirty. Oh, <laughs> so, but they'll, they'll go spend like 10 bucks, 15 bucks a month on Vasa. Then they never use it yep. by the way, which is how Vasa makes money. Because <laughs> yeah. if you win every day, Vasa would lose money. So you go there, right? Then they end up not going. And then they think it was a waste of time and a waste of money. But yep. you never went in, right? And, and you let all these things ahead of you because, you because your only reason to go to the gym was New Year's resolution or yeah. to lose weight or my buddy wanted to go. Eventually, you have to do the gym because you got to do the gym. Because, yeah, you want to do it. You want to be healthy. To, yeah. yeah. I got to do something, right? And, and Something's not working and I have to change it. Hey, it doesn't even need to be at the gym. I have, I've had clients that have done have been successful just with some bands at home, you know, why not people that travel a lot and yeah. that, that can't get into gyms. Like it, it can be done. It's just, right. What are you willing to put into it? I guess is, is usually the, the question I have to answer. Okay. Ask. Not what do you think? So I like talking about like in-home workouts I've gotten into and jujitsu is big with like kettlebells. Oh, is that a big thing with jujitsu? I, yeah, I like I, it. Yeah. I mean, they're great workouts. They're great. Yeah, they're very, it's a versatile workout. Super versatile. You, one, you can have one at home. Yeah. They're fun. I, you, move, I, um, you move around a lot. I was listening to a podcast and uh, I can't remember. I think it was Jocko's podcast or somebody's podcast. There was a Gracie. Do you know Gracie has an online jujitsu that you can go from yeah. white belt to black belt? Yeah. All online. And at home. At home. Like, there are videos, I was, yeah. I was trying yeah. to tell my wife and she's like, you're stupid. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, yeah, I, like, I kind of want to do no. this. You can do it. It's, but they said it takes 10 years oh, to get well, from, yeah. if you did it from white to black, it would take you at least 10 years to get there. Now, I don't know. You would know more about this because you, sure. that's your world. But Well, so that's the thing. That's why no one likes jujitsu. Because it takes so, so long to get, there's no instant it, gratification. If you see, if you see a guy, if you go into a gym and into a grappling gym and a guy puts his gi on and he whips out a black belt and it's even got one or two stripes on it. That's yeah. 15, 20 years of jujitsu and consistent because they'll stop the clock if you don't show up. Interesting. It, the quickest times, white, white belt to blue belt's about a year, year and a half. Yeah. Um, then the longest time is uh, blue to purple. Uh, purple to brown is a pretty quick one. And then brown to black is forever. And then 
those stripes on a black belt are time stripes. They're not experience or like moves or like. Yeah, that was my uh, question. I never knew what that meant, honestly. Yeah, or like competitions. It's not like I tapped out 10 people or I won yeah. 10 matches or whatever, right? One, one stripe on there is five years and then it goes up to 10 years. Wow. If you, so, I mean, if you see somebody with a black belt and they have any stripes on their belt, you're looking at a guy who's been doing it consistently for 20 years. And that's why people don't like it. You can get a blue belt and know the basics. Yeah. But if you want to be a badass, you're in it. You got to be in it for 15, 20 years, man. Yeah. That's, that's some dedication. That is some nuts. How long have you been doing it? So I've been doing it for about a year and a half. In fact, before the coronavirus coronavirus happened, (laughs) I was going to test. Really? For my blue belt. Yeah. Um, Because they, so in that Gracie jujitsu, so I love uh, the Gracie Academy. There's one here in Salt Lake, but they don't let you even roll with another person for a year. Really? You went fresh in there. Yeah. They go through what's called their Gracie combatives, uh, which is, uh, there, which is awesome. It's self-defense because yeah. that's what, that's what uh, the Gracie jujitsu was originally formed by the Gracie brothers for just self-defense. Yeah. And so the first year you go into a Gracie Academy, you just learn self-defense. You learn how to get out of, get off your back. And when someone has you in full mount, you learn how to defend yourself if you land in someone's guard. Uh, and so it's really cool actually uh, learning some of their techniques. I taught my daughter them. <laughs> they have a, they have a, what's called a women empowerment class. And I think it's amazing. That's awesome. Um, yeah. So anyway, but yeah, it's the same thing with fitness or jujitsu or anything. Yeah. You're not, you know, you don't go in there and think it's the people who start jujitsu or the people who start fitness. Yeah. Uh, wanting to be 80 pounds or whatever, right. They have a weight goal. Gosh, man, I don't, I don't see a lot of them finish it. Yeah, I would say this statistically would most people don't follow through with it. I and I think I think a lot of it is some people have they get bad taste in their mouth. Maybe they get a bad sure. coach because um, there is a lot of bad coaches out there. There's a lot of coaches that are preaching stuff that shouldn't be. You know, if and, and this is just my opinion, but if you get a coach that's telling you not to eat certain types of foods and you know, really restricting you and, and to get you just to get you to your goal, that that's not a good coach. I mean, I, yeah. I've had to tell people, look, I'm not going to just tell you what you want to hear each week. I'm going to tell you what is right, you know, and yeah. educate you on doing this, not just say, you know, Hey, you're going to lose weight every week. Like, no, that it doesn't happen that way. Like it's, yeah. I mean, yeah. Initially the majority of the people that start something will lose weight. Mm-hmm. For those first couple of weeks, I've had people gain weight the first week, but there's just, and it's just, but that's just how the body responds. It's like, yeah, you, and everybody's different. Everybody, yeah, everybody's different. Stress levels, um, you know, sleep patterns. Mm-hmm. There's so many things that factor into it. So just like okay. the guy that says, Hey, I, I want to take my starch out because I haven't done anything and nothing has moved in three days. Well, yeah. You have to yeah, burn 3,500 calories to lose a pound of fat. That doesn't, it doesn't happen overnight. Like it's a, right. it's a process. Yeah. You got to be in it for the long haul. You got to change your mindset. Right. And that's hard to change people's minds. Super hard when we're instant gratification, you know? Yeah. You, Amazon, you don't, two day prime. Yeah. You don't have your meals. You know, if I'm meal prepping and I don't have meals when I head off to work, I'm probably going to fast food. You know, like if when I was up there selling cars, if I didn't bring my food and put it in the fridge, I would go get fast food right? because I'm, I'm hungry. Yeah. You get, your body has that fight or flight. It, it wants to, it, when it wants to eat, it's going to tell you it wants to eat. 
Yeah, and that's what you got to fight, right? Yeah. Not necessarily fight it, but it just takes time. You yeah. Know I mean? It just takes time. So how did you get into the fitness uh, gig? What happened with you? You were in the military, and then did yeah. you come out and just go right into owning your own business and fitness? No. Actually, uh, I went in the Marine Corps when I was 19. Um, I did my four-year thing. I actually got out and got into the car business, and... I did, you know, I was selling, wholesaling. I, I was actually in the car business for about 10 years. Okay. Ended up getting out of the car business. And then shortly, and this is eight years ago, nine years ago, sure. um, I ended up signing up with a coach because I wanted to compete. I had, I had, I had always had an interest in lifting weights and um, I was always active. I played basketball, I played softball and I, I lifted five, six days a week, but I never put it together, uh, the nutrition with the training. It just never, it never stuck. I was the guy that was getting on bodybuilding.com, printing out diets or, you know, asking my buddy at the gym, Hey, what are you eating today? But this is when the, the bodybuilding and I do men's physique division, which is we, I wear board shorts. Yeah. This is kind of when I got started, that's when that was kind of initially coming in onto the scene in the bodybuilding world. Right. So I thought, Oh, this is perfect for me. I'm, you know, I'm almost 35 years old. This will be you know, I'm not going to be a bodybuilder. I'm not 300 pounds or, you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> but that, that kind of fit with what I was wanting to do. It's kind of that men's health magazine look. Mm-hmm. So I get signed up with my coach and within, I did a six month program about halfway through. He's like, Hey, do you want to be a consultant for me? I'd actually love to help people out. This is good. And it's, it's yeah. sales too. You know, you're selling people a, a program basically. Right. And in the beginning I had no freaking clue, but I love the coaching aspect. I loved helping people oh, yeah. out seeing people, you know, go from point A to point B and watching them achieve their goals. I mean, it's just super satisfying. Yeah. And then after a couple of years, I just said, why am I giving this guy, you know, 50, 60% of my take when I could just start my own thing and keep everything. Like, yeah, why not, man? <laughs> and I think That's a lot right. of people end up doing that same thing. I think you see that in the car business too. You see guys yeah. selling cars for a year and they're like, why am I giving yeah. Honda or Toyota all my money when I could be doing it all myself? Which yeah. Sometimes it's easier to just let them deal with all that stuff. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's a, yeah. I think your fitness uh, analogy was perfect. It's tough in the, it's tough to run your own car business though, man. It's that's yeah. I thought about doing it. That was kind of a dream of mine was to like open a, up like my a, own little lot, just a little, yeah. you know, mom and 10, pop. 10, 15 cars, mom and pop yeah. store. But yeah. man, that's yeah. It's a tough gig. Yeah. It's a lot of overhead, man. Yeah. Most of those Flooring, guys. Uh, yeah. Most of those guys don't, you know, they, they either floor their cars or they yep. pay cash for them. And either way, it's just a gamble. Yeah. Well, and, and people, when they're buying these cars, they obviously, oh, I'm going to buy the cheapest car. But you don't right. realize what that person's, you know, just because somebody buys a car for $5,000 at the auction, they're, yeah. prob- they're probably in that car, 6500 bucks by the time it goes through the auction, paying auction fees, paying for right. an inspection, paying for yeah. transportation, flooring costs. Yeah. Then you get it to your lot detail, running it to your shop. So how's that guy supposed to make, you know what I mean? That guy's yeah, not, nope. it's hard for that guy to make money, you know, very, especially if you have a lot of overhead. Very small. Yep. Very small margin. So I think you went with a good avenue. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, um, because I love the, the consulting businesses are, are pretty um, lucrative. Not a yes. lot of overhead very, service in Utah. Uh, you don't have to pay taxes on services. Yeah. So like you don't have to worry about getting a tax number or a, 
or filing taxes quarterly with the state. That's just a nut. I'm yeah. an accountant. That's what I do. And I, it's not fun it, even for accountants. Right. But you, but you didn't, well, you did get into the merch, the merchandising side of it. You sell like your clothes and everything. I did. Um, I did. I, I got that. Uh, my apparel company is Damage Plan Athletics. Yeah. So, um, where do you, so tell us about how you, you know, everybody wants to sell clothes, but the, the supply chain for that and like logistically that can be kind of tough. So how did you navigate through all that? Had you ever done it before? Did you have like somebody you could lean on or how did you um, do that? My, my wife actually was in the apparel business when we met, she was working for a company that did screen printing and um, okay. embroidery and all that stuff. So the, the appeal when I bought the company was, Hey, she can, she can kind of help me with all the, the back end stuff. And then I can kind of be like the face of it. And it was, we bit off a little bit more than we can chew. We could chew when we bought the company, you know, so, not just not knowing everything that. Well that, yeah, that's tough though. That's what small business is though. Right. You, you find, you have a vision and then you kind of just commit and you learn as you go. Yeah. It, it, and it really has. It's, I mean, we've, we've had the company for two years and I just brought on um, Zach who I do the, my podcast with mm-hmm. um, to, to help me because just having somebody to, it's like a mentor, having somebody to bounce ideas off of. And right. I mean, we, once nice. things, yeah, once things start cranking back up again and we start getting local fights coming back in, yes. we have a lot. I can't, I mean, I, gosh, so Hey, upset. I went to a steel fist fight. Yes. It was, it was my, yeah. Oh, that's where I bought what my was your first one. That was the yeah, first one you've right. been to, right? First one. I bought a, I bought a hat. You did. Uh, I remember. Thank you. And uh, absolutely. I love supporting small business. So you came there to see Justin, right? Horsley. So, so I know Justin Horsley. He's coming uh, on the podcast next week. That's good. Yeah. I'm going to listen to that one. Cause you, you know, he opened, they opened up a gym, right? Yeah. Up in Idaho. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So I knew Justin, I, I knew Justin back when he was a wrestler in high school. And then I knew him when he wrestled at Dixie. Yeah. There, I, I don't know if Dixie had, had a, uh, I think it was a club team at Dixie, but I, cause I don't, I think the only school in Utah that does like it has a wrestling program right now currently is U- Utah Valley. And one of their coaches, their heavyweight coach, um, Luke Lofthouse, he wrestled at Iowa and I knew yeah. Luke Lofthouse back when he wrestled in Iowa. And so those guys up there are, Luke Lofthouse is a beast. He wrestled at like 195. Oh, that's a big, big dude. In Iowa. Whoa. These guys were monsters. So I went to the Steel Fist fight, though. That was a lot of fun, man. Dude, they. Oh, crap. That was fun. I, I love going to those fights, man. I mean, I'm like, I, I feel bad for my wife because when we set yeah. up our booth, <laughs> she's the one that's back there ringing up all the merch. And I'm just out there talking right. to everybody and taking pictures <laughs> and I'm like yeah. having fun. I go in the cage when one of our fighters wins and oh, heck yeah. take all the pictures. And heck yeah. There were some good fights that night too. There were some good. really good fights that night. That heavyweight fight, uh, that dude broke his Zach head. Zach Cavender, yeah. That guy was awesome. Dude, that was his first fight at heavyweight. At heavyweight. That's a big and, jump, man. Those aren't little jumps when you know, like, cause he normally fights. I mean, he's a big guy anyways. Like you, I mean, you saw him there. He's a, yeah. he's six, four, probably walks around at two twenty, two thirty. Right. But the guy he fought, Eric, who I'm, who I'm actually friends with as well. Yeah. Um, a little bit older. He's closer to my age, but dude's been fighting. He's a beat. And then the guy's, he's the guy's no joke. Player. He's a savage too. You know, yeah. I have never, never seen him. And in, in the years that I've been watching him fight, he's never lost like that. 
Like the guy could yeah, take that a punch. A, that was a bad loss. And I was just about to say that, man. I, when I was watching some of those fights, and I get it, they're local fights. So yeah. you're going to get the local guys. Yeah, yeah. But I just was like, man, some of those guys should have never signed whatever <laughs> way were they signed to get in that cage, man. Well, did you listen to that podcast that we did with Kevin, the, the promoter of Steel Fist? Yes. So he had a great analogy on, on why he gets these amateur fighters in there because of right. it's not only it's helping him. Yeah, it's helping him, but it's also helping oh. that guy. You know, maybe he takes a loss, but now he's going to start looking at, hey, maybe I should join a gym. So now he's getting, he's joining a gym. So now the gym's getting more business and right. he's getting better. So then he comes back and yeah. it's a, it's a cycle, you know? Well, yeah. And, and I get that. You want to, you got to give somebody, sometimes you just got to give some of these little guys or like not little guys, but the, uh, the younger guys, you know, they just get too big for their britches and sometimes they need a little. Humility. There was, there was, we had another guy on the podcast, dude, he started off 0 and 6. Yeah. His I remember oh yeah, and I freaking six, like Absolutely. knocked out five out of six, no gym. His first five, five fights, he had no gym. He was literally training in his basement and it finally clicked that, Hey, he needs to, he needs to get to a gym. Yeah, you He can. ended up losing um, cause he took a short notice fight, which you'll notice a, a, a lot of these gyms are starting to tell these guys, Hey, you need to have a certain amount of time in the gym before we're going to even let you take a fight. Well, you should. Yeah. Well, you the should. gym that he's at now, yeah. He took that short notice fight, but they basically told him, you, you need a year of training before you're going to get back in there, you know, in the cage sure. again. And he's had, he just had his first kickboxing, got his first win in a kickboxing fight a couple months ago, right before good. the shutdown and looked good. freaking amazing. Yeah, good. It, that, I don't know if you listened to the other podcast where we did the interview with the guy from New York, the promoter from New York. Yeah. There's guys back there from those, some of those gyms, they're training for years. Yeah. Well, and that's two see, to five years, three to five years before they're even getting in yeah. the, you know, before you even like, it's a discussion. Well, there's a guy that trains with Zach. He's a younger kid. He's 18 mm -hmm. or 19. Um, this kid is a freaking, you're going to see this kid on the big stage. I'm telling you right now, this sure. kid's been training since he's five years old. Good. The kid is a beast. Wow. A beast. Cole, Cole <laughs> Faust. Remember the name, Cole. Okay. Cole Faust. Cole Faust. The guys, I'll have to send you, maybe I'll send you a, a link to one of his fights. All right, deal. You'll never, I mean, the but way the kid comes in there, yeah. it looks like he's been doing it for 10 years. That's what you should do though. You shouldn't go into a fight. Like if I were coaching a fighter, you would have a year, at least a year or two of wrestling. Yeah. You would, you would be a blue belt in jujitsu at least. And, and you would go through a year or two of boxing. Yeah. There's, so, there's yeah, four or five years, man, because you just, man. I compare it to like me getting ready to compete in bodybuilding. Look, right. it, it, I'm not going to get up there on a, in a 12 week program. No. Could I? Yes. But am I going to be competitive? Hell no. No. I mean, it's going to take me, but those, yeah, it takes yeah. years. It takes months to get up, to, right. you know, to get to that certain level. And yeah, I, right. but I'm those, not getting into cage anyways. <laughs> oh yeah, man. Oh, me either. I, I'm, I, uh, I, like I said, I told you I did it one time and I just, I was like, oh, this was fun. Just but not for you. <laughs> yeah. I, 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 it was fine. Like I'll, I'll, there's a guy who fights. Um, he is a, he's a purple belt at our gym. He actually just opened up his own gym in Salt Lake, but I call him Sep. He's a, he's a big old Polynesian man and he's <laughs> awesome. He's the kindest dude you'll ever meet. And he's the best trainer you'll ever meet. And that's what he said. He was like, dude, you're not, you're not going to fight until you have these, these four or five things. Uh, but I, I would train with him. Like he was going to fight a couple times. Um, 
at some, at some fights. I can't remember, but I remember going to his training events and helping him with like wrestling and taking yeah. stuff like that. Um, because so did I ever tell you that story? So this is how I got my first MMA fight. No, I didn't. I didn't hear this. Here's the story. So it's the, I'm, I'm like 18. I'm in Iowa. I want to stay in shape. Uh, I'm coaching wrestling, but I want to stay in shape and like compete a little bit. So I go to this local MMA gym and the pro fighter there has a fight with a, and, and I didn't know this when I went in, but he had a fight with a big wrestler, like an NCAA champion. Wrestler. Yeah. And so he didn't know me. I didn't know him. And it was, uh, and this, this is the problem with these MMA gyms sometimes is, uh, they throw you in too fast. So oh, yeah. I, <laughs> I went strikes versus takedowns with this, <laughs> this guy. Yeah. He's dumb. I should have never done that. But I was like 18. I was like, whatever, let's go. Yeah. Yeah. So I, uh, so we do strikes versus takedowns and he's like, I go, okay, what's that? He's like, well, I'm going to strike you and you're going to try and take me down. And yeah. I, said, I said, oh, okay, whatever. Anyway, I ended up taking him down quite a few times and he, there was nothing he could do to stop this takedown. So I got free MMA lessons. The guy said, if you teach me like how you do your takedowns and how you do like those defense defense. Yeah. I will give you free MMA lessons. Oh, all right. So I, that's what I did. So then I, I, I taught a takedown and takedown defense class. How did, how did he do? How did he end up doing? he actually did really good. I, he lost because he wasn't a boxer. Yeah. This is a really UFC. We it's mixed martial arts, but it's a lot of stand up, man. I, I agree. Yeah, I definitely a lot agree. More stand up than, than people realize like, okay, if you're a good wrestler and you're a good jujitsu guy, like that's fine. But you remember when Nate Diaz said that? He yeah. Said, oh, you jujitsu mother need to learn how to box. <laughs> He's, but he has a point. Like He's you really, point. I mean, it, it starts on the feet. Like <laughs> it's so true. Look, I mean, obviously the, the game's evolved, but look at guys like Chuck Liddell that had good takedown defense, you know? Yeah. Just knocking people out. I mean, if, right. you know, if you can, I think if you can get that basic down, not saying it's going to work on everybody, but no, I'd but you say a good 90% basic, of your fights. But you got to have the basics. Now, he, the guy was really good at defending the takedown. Like I, yeah. I had taught him well enough. He's got knocked out. That's okay. <laughs> that, that, I guess it happens, right? <laughs> yeah, but anyway, so that's what happened. And I thought it was, I thought it was, um, anyway, it was really fun because uh, I love the steel fist fights. I love going to watch those guys. I love supporting that whole scene. How soon do you think they're going to open up now that we can open? Man, uh, I know Kevin was shooting for June, but he just posted something that somebody said uh, for like MMA gyms and stuff. And I don't know how much truth is in this, but they're saying possibly not till October. That's dumb. Yeah. I think, I think for the MMA stuff, it was, it was, uh, MMA gyms that that post said it was, they were on the second phase. Like we're, we're basically on phase one. They're yeah. supposed to be at the end of phase two. I'm hoping it's not true. Like, yeah, well, I, yeah, I don't know how true that is because like we're opening. I can't see, I mean, I could see them not having fights because they don't want the crowd there. Sure. That's going to be the issue is, is getting, you know, getting, getting them to have the fights at a bar where you have a thousand people packed in there. You know, I think yeah, that's, that's going to be the, you know, with the, the paranoia. Yeah. But let me tell you something cool though. I like that whole, um, they did that UFC fight Yeah, and, and nobody was there. It was awesome. 
And I wanted to see, I want to see like, uh, this is weird. This is my analytical, like accounting side coming at me. But I want to see a study where they do, you know, they have these UFC fights with fans and the fans are normal. They're going, they're cheering, they're booing. Yeah, yeah. And and then you have, you know, you could never do this or or maybe you could and and maybe somebody's going to listen to this and figure out how to do it. (laughs) Um, Then you take the same fight without the fans. Yeah. And without all that emotion, because that's emotional, right? That's oh. why I love rivalries. Yeah. Is because it doesn't matter. You could be ranked number one and your rival could be ranked last. And if you hate each other enough, that guy can win. Yep. That's, you know what yeah. I mean? Yep. And, and another thing that helped that you get that energy from the fans. Like oh if, yeah. If you get a big hit and, and that crowd erupts, like I did, you know, I wrestled in, in front of big crowds like that and and if you got a takedown and that, and the crowd was on your side and they just lost their minds. Yeah. That dude's feeling it and I'm feeling it. Yeah. Yep. Well, for so sure. What happens when that doesn't happen? What happens when you get a big hit and there's, and it's still silent? Yeah. Oh, I guess we're going to, we're going to find out May 9th. Heck yeah. Dude, we got, that's we got three fight cards. Good. In one week. Good. Did you see the main event for the other two? I haven't yet. One of them is Anthony Smith and Glover Texera. I think Dude, I love Anthony Smith. That's Lionheart. that's on the thirteenth, and then yeah. I if the sixteenth is supposed to be Overeem and Walt Harris. There you go. Yeah, I don't know. They haven't announced the rest of the cards for those two dates, but sure. dude, we got three fights in one week. That's amazing, though. Yes, that's amazing, though. <laughs> so, well, that's yeah. I mean. Because that's how you do it. And so the, so what, so what I'm hearing is the MMA world in Utah might not be up for a while, might not be up for a minute. It's, I mean, yeah, I'm crossing my fingers that that's fake news, but from everything, everything I'm seeing, like even on the media, I just can't see yeah. them having it because in a group with a group of people. Now, if, if they had a place right. where they could go and, and maybe set it up like the UFC and there's no fans there, but an amateur fight promotion couldn't do that because no the majority of their profits ticket sales. Yeah. So yeah, they're, they're just, it sucks. It sucks. Yeah. It's tough. It's way tough, man. I just hope they figure it out. I just hope we get this all figured out, man. You know what I mean? I'm with you, man. Because, because it's got to start. So let me go, let let me go back. Just one thing that I thought was cool because um, you said you bought damage plan athletics. You bought the apparel company. Correct. So, like, well, you can't drop names, but you bought it from someone else. You acquired yeah. it. There was, it's actually been through a, a two owners. So there was originally started, I, I can't remember how many years ago. They originally started it. And then there's a two, two guys that I bought it from, purchased it. And they had it for, I don't know, two years, year and a half. Okay. Um, so tell us, they, about the, tell us about the acquisition process. Because there's going to be some people listening. Yeah. Who, who may, maybe you don't want to start your own business. Maybe you want to buy your own business. Yeah. Yeah. And the acquisition, that acquisition process is tough, especially if you're going for a lot of money. It was super, it was super tough for me. I mean, I knew the guys because they actually approached me and were, they sponsored me for a, a bodybuilding show that I had done. Okay. And I hadn't, I had known a couple of uh, the fighters that they, they sponsored. So when I found out it was up for sale, I'm like, I want, I want to buy the company. Like, I think this would be great. I love MMA. My wife yeah. knows the back end of it. So logistically once, you know, I didn't know where to begin. Like I had no clue where to begin to, to buy this company. So I actually, um, sure. 
I got with a guy that was in my, one of my B, that was in my BNI group that I was in a networking group that I was in, mm-hmm. that that was his thing. He bought and sold businesses. So I actually got off kind of easy because I basically just gave him all the information and said, here's all the numbers. Here's everything that I'm getting. Yeah. Give me your honest opinion on what you, so he you know, valued the company. He basically valued the company and said, said yeah, that's, it seems need, like it's he said, you need, based on their, their revenue and their liabilities and their debts. Like you need to pay X for the company. Yep. Okay. Which if I had a chance to do it all over again, yeah. I probably would have started it from scratch. Yeah. And not, and not, I mean, I, and I like the name, the name was appealing to me. Damage plan athletics. That was the appealing part. Cause I, I looked at it and I thought, sure, man, yeah. at first we tried to keep it to where damage plan athletics was sponsoring any, any athlete. We were sponsoring power lifters. We were sponsoring cool. bass fishermen after about the first, after about a year, I kind of shifted it more towards just MMA saying, sure. I want to just focus on MMA and the MMA community in Utah and make it grow from, from, from there. Because I was, I was putting out too many, that's cool, too many branches and it was just too overwhelming yeah. to try to, you know what I mean? So yeah, I figured to manage all those. Yeah. You got to yeah. focus in small businesses have to focus in on one niche, but definitely, um, I think in hindsight and looking back at it, if I had to start over again, I probably would have just started from scratch. So when you bought damage plan athletics, mm-hmm. did you, part of their assets was the name the name. Yep. So you had some goodwill in there and then you didn't, did you acquire like customers? Yes. Because part of what we do for the company is not, I, I, not only do I retail, I'm also on the wholesale side of things too, where I can do screen screen printing embroidery. So if you have a company out there that's wants, you know, 20 shirts made for your company, I can, I can take care of that for you. So you're not only a retailer, you're a wholesaler. Wholesale. Yeah. Yep. So that was another huge part of the reason why we wanted it because my wife had, that's a big deal. Yeah. She had experience doing that. Um, and like I said, I kind of bit off a little bit more that I can chew because I, I, I leaned on her when she had a full time job and it was like, so I, a lot of it was me learning on the fly, calling vendors and, you, to. you know, get, building relationships with, with, um, right. people that I'm going to be dealing with. And, but now I, I, right. I, I kind of get it. It's just, yeah. Keeping that ball rolling is the hard part. Well, yeah, that's, I didn't realize that you were also a wholesaler and yep. so a wholesaler retailer, you acquired the company. That's a, that's a big process. That's not the same as starting up a business from scratch. Yeah. So the, and, and. That's, the company is, I'm not going to, I mean, I'm definitely not, I'm not making a living off of, off of having this company, I got the, the I profit, got but the profit, the profit side of that company is, is really coming from the wholesale side of things. Well, yeah, you make way more money in wholesale. Yeah. I mean, the retail side of things, I, I'm not, the name's not out there yet. Um, well, yeah. I yeah. think the podcast is going to, is going to help a lot. Once we, once things start picking back up, dude, free um, advertising. Yeah. That's free what advertising. a podcast is. And, and we have a couple fighters that we have that I sponsor that are, they, yeah. I mean, they could go next level if they're staying with it. They're young. They're, they're super good. That's um, cool. So, and we may even get Zach and I, uh, I mean, I don't know if I'm going to let the cat out of the bag, but we're, we're, um, sure. We're going to start getting into the, um, managing side of it. Good. We want to, we want to take, we want to take fighter a that maybe he's a 19, 20 year old kid that 
that doesn't really know how to sell tickets and doesn't know how to get sponsors. And we're going to bring that kid on and, and we don't expect it to be, you know, we're not going to expect to profit a ton off of this kid, but I'm, I'm, it makes sense though. Yeah. But take this kid and say, Hey, look, we, we will take care of all your ticket sales. We will take care of all your, you know, your social media stuff for you. We'll take care of, um, getting your shirts ready for you to sell so you can profit off of that. hundred percent. Also, we're going to throw. Yeah. Yeah, because well, being a fighter is more than just fighting. Exactly. Like, they make it's, their money off of sponsors. I don't yeah, think that's what a lot of these young athletes realize. No, I like, and they're missing the boat on this. If you, oh, you, yeah. You if you're going to have Zach on there. Up to, if the you're reason have, you make money as a fighter, like, because you look, in, you look in the UFC or like Bellator or Pride or any of these guys, right? Yeah. Why, do, why does one fighter get paid more than another? Because he's got the hype and he knows how to market. Like Conor McGregor knows how to market. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? He knows how to sell. He's a hustler. Take a guy like Zach, which hopefully you'll have him on the podcast. He can explain the tickets. That guy's one of the the top selling ticket sales guys that they have. Like that guy sells so many tickets. That last fight that he had, um, that he lost his title, that I'm sure he'll tell you about on the podcast. Sure, sure. I'm excited. he ended up calling the day of the fights. They were sold out. It was a sold out. The bar was sold out. I don't know how Kevin ended up getting it done, but he called and said, Hey, I need like 20 extra table seats. That's one of his sponsors and had wanted a 20 seats at awesome. one of the tables last minute. And Kevin's like, you're shitting me. Yeah. <laughs> and, yeah. But, he, he should have because that's he's, a he's a sales guy. He gets it. You know, Absolutely. he's, he's also an entrepreneur. He has two businesses. So he gets that aspect, but you gotta, most yeah. of these guys don't. They don't, right. they don't get it. It's amazing, man. When I started learning about that, you, it's really about sales and marketing yourself. Like, yep. do you know how to get your name out there? Do you know how to appeal to the people you want to appeal to? And who do you want to appeal to? And I think that's so on point that I hope people, I hope, I hope the young fighters pick up this young fighters, young entrepreneurs, young small business owners that they pick up on this, that you can't sell anything if they, no one knows who you are. Exactly. You, and honestly, it's probably the thing that's held me back with my damage plan is, is I'm not very, that's probably the one thing that I lack is that marketing, sure. you know, and that's why well, I brought, that's why I brought Zach on to help me with that. And yeah, he has, we, you gotta have, I mean, yeah, we, you gotta have somebody. I think here's one thing that I've learned and I, and I get why sales had a bad rap, right? Why, yeah. why, you no one wants to put salesmen in front of their name. Yep. I get it. All right. I'm a salesman. Car salesman in front of them. I'm name. a car. Yeah. I'm a car salesman. <laughs> I'm not, I'm worse than a car salesman, bro. I'm the dude behind the desk. Like you're the car yeah. salesman is bad. The dude yeah. making the decisions behind, <laughs> behind the scenes is worse, right? You're the wizard. I'm, the, I'm that dude. You're like the wizard of Oz. You're That's sitting behind right. your little curtain. That's right. You can't see me anyway. So I get it, but that's what people, we, you, you got to teach small business owners and you got to teach uh, some, athletes, anybody who wants to make a buck, you got to teach them how to do it right. It's not a bad thing to be a salesman if you do it right. Yeah. I mean, there's, you can ethically be a salesperson, right? Somebody wants something that I have and we're going to, there's going to be a transaction and we're going to do some sort of transaction. Yes. That's beneficial to each of us. And and let's face it. We all love to buy stuff. We all want to buy it. We just don't yep, want to right. feel like we're sold. That's right. We, uh, yep. Everybody wants to buy. No one wants to be sold. Yeah. We don't want to be sold. So, I, I, you know, building relationships is, is a big thing. And Right. But yeah, I hope hopefully these, the, a lot of these guys 
we're giving a lot of these fighters, especially locally, we're, we're giving them a platform to say, hey, when we approach, you know, maybe it's not us yeah. getting the sponsors for them, but maybe if it's a fighter we're not managing, they come on there and you can say, hey, look, dude, we just, we have this podcast that you can tell your sponsors that you're going to be in front of 1500 people or whatever, whatever the yeah. number may be, you know, yeah. it's like, that's, that's going to just get you more money in the long run. 100%, 100%. Well, dude, thank you. Thank you oh, for man. coming on. And let me, let me ask you one last thing. What do you want to leave the, the listeners with, whether it's about your business or about maybe the value that they should take with them or what, what do you want to leave with them, man? I just think, you know, business wise, uh, you know, build relationships, you know, don't be afraid, you know, make connections with people. I think that's one of the, the biggest things you can do as an entrepreneur or small business owner is yeah. make, it makes, is make connections, man. It's, it's not what you know, it's who you know. That's right. I'm like, I live off of that. Like I tell, I tell my wife that all the time. She, in fact, she, yep. she teases me. She's like, you know, everybody. And right. it's like, I try to make relationships with everybody. Yeah, you make, and you got to keep them. Yeah. And you have to keep them. And you, that's it, amazing. It's, that's probably, to me, that's one of the most important things for the small business owners. And then, you know, as far as the fitness world, don't believe everything you see. That's right. <laughs> that's right. You can if, it's, only if it's too good to be true, it's, it it's not. Yeah. It's, yep. it, you can yeah. only, you, you can't believe anything you're here and only half of what you see. Exactly. <laughs> right on, dude. Well, we'll do this again, my friend, but it was, yes, sir, man. it was great having you on. And, uh, that's it guys. Uh, damage plan athletics for any wholesaling and retailing. Yes. Wholesaling and retailing. There you go. And Semper Fit Nutrition. Thanks, brother. We'll talk to you later, man. Hey, man. Thanks, Dalton. I appreciate it. Yes, sir.